0: Dear listeners, Sairam, welcome to our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics. Every Thursday on Asia Stream, you can enjoy this live conversation. It's from 12.30pm to 2pm Indian Standard Time. Today's episode was first featured as part of Thursday Live on February 21st, 2013.
1: Sairam dear listeners and welcome to yet another segment of Afternoon Satsang being streamed to you from God's own radio channel, Radio Sai Global Harmony Studios at Prasanthi Puttaparthi. And as always, from Team Radio Sai, I am Arvind and along with me is Brother Prem from Team Radio Sai, both of us offering our most humble salutations at the lotus feet of our beloved Bhagwan before we begin this Afternoon Satsang. Last week, dear listeners, we had announced sort of the topic that we would be dealing this week and it is Do we seek Swami or do we seek what Swami gives us? So, it shall be our endeavour today to throw more light on this topic through Bhagwan's grace, His love and blessings and with that, let me welcome Brother Prem, Sairam Prem.
2: Sairam Arvind and Sairam to all our listeners uh, tuning in from every part of the world. Arvind, we had last week asked our listeners if anybody wants to send in their ideas about this topic. Hmm. We did get a few ideas. In fact, we have got few other ideas from exactly. the <laughs>
3: hmm.
2: feedback we've got. One very interesting idea is 1% person written about the creator versus the creation hmm. in the sense of which came first. It's a very hotly debated topic even in the philosophical circle where they say Did man create God or God create man?
1: (laughs) Yes, because both ways if you see Prem, man has no existence without God. That is what we believe. We have no life without Swami. But there is also an equally powerful and evocative thought which says, God has no existence without man. Right. And it is not only in an argumentative style, even when we examine Swami's statement of, you know, I separated myself from myself so that I can love myself. It is almost as if God too has a need for man. I means God's existence depends on man and man's existence depends on God. So it is indeed a very interesting perspective of creation versus creator as to which came first. But I think Prem, today what we are planning to discuss is another kind of creation versus creator. In terms of do we give importance to the creation? Or do we give importance to the creator?
2: Exactly, you know. Even as we reveal the topic to Mm. all our listeners, I'm reminded of a very, very poignant moment. You know, when Swami was speaking to the students and the staff in Brindavan. Mm -hmm. I think most likely it must have been a Thrai session. In the course of that talk, Swami said this statement. You could say that it was kind of heavy for people who are listening to what Swami was saying, because Mm -hmm. Swami said, "Many people come to me. Many Mm. people have come to me." Swami said, students come to me for education. Mm. I give them education, they take education and they leave. People come to me with health problems. Swami said, I solve their health problems and they go back healthy. Mm. And people come to me with uh, relationship problems and I solve their problems and they leave. And there are parents who come to me seeking alliance for their children and Mm. I find suitable uh, matches for their children and they are happy and they leave. Mm. But who comes to me for me? who comes here for me mm-hmm. and you know swami left it at that clearly making clear demarcation between those who come for swami and those who come seeking something from swami
1: it must have been a very embarrassing silence there prem because i'm sure even if we ask this question of ourselves i don't think we can thump our hearts and say that we came only for swami somehow when I look back at my own life, I feel that I, though today I feel that the only longing in my life, the only thing that I desire is Swami. And I think theoretically this is the aspiration or desire of every devotee. But somehow we get lost, you know. Today, when I look back, I feel though Swami is the ultimate objective for me, I have always sought what Swami was giving, you know, whether it is security, a sense of security, a sense of peace, a sense of uh, safety, you know, whether it be from known sources of so-called danger or unknown sources. You felt that being with God, it made you safe, it gave a protective sheath around you. And I feel, I cannot say that I have sought Swami for Swami. I think I have always sought Swami for the things that He gave me.
2: And that's the important point which you made, you know. It's not just things which Swami gave hmm. because it's easy for us to say that no I didn't come for what Swami materialized or what Swami gave as gifts hmm. or you know if it was education which we all came for we are still here so right. the period of education is over but we are still here the fact is there's something which is so subtle you know there are things which are tangible which Swami gives and people might get attached to that but there are even some things which are very subtle like as you said security and uh, some people feel that you know to take to a spiritual path is something superior. Hmm. And here was Swami giving you a path free. <laughs> you hmm. know you could hold on to Swami and take the spiritual path. Again, are we coming and you know looking at Swami and wanting Swami or wanting what Swami is here to give? That's the question which comes again.
1: It is very important that we are able to you know talk through this, discuss this and get insights from Swami's discourses and what Swami has said because it's such a fine line that we may often ask, What is the difference in the question? I mean, whether we come for what Swami gives or whether we come for Swami, what is the difference? Both are the same, right? It appears like that on the face of it. But if we see certain lives, not certain lives, many lives in many aspects, sometimes things that Swami has conferred may not have exactly been palatable. Very true. And so that is where I feel the defining moment comes whether you are wanting Swami or what Swami is giving. Because if you are wanting Swami, then if what Swami gives is very bitter and bad too, you still want Swami because you want Swami.
2: Exactly. And you know, the question is, as you said, there may be a very thin line between uh, going after what Swami gives and going after Swami. Hmm. But I think the important thing is, as we progress in our journey with Swami, how much do we shift towards wanting only Swami and not what Swami wants to give?
1: Ah that's a very nice point Prem because as we discussed almost every one of us has come to swami seeking the wonders of his hand you know right. the magic that he does but in that process we have apparently been enlightened on what is more important in life and because of that we have given up quest for the lesser things we ourselves feel foolish oh hey, how could i have asked swami for this you know we should ask swami for this and maybe a few years from now, we feel, what is this? Why we are asking for this? We should ask for this. There is a kind of gradual evolution and as you rightly said it, that evolution should be from wanting what Swami gives us to wanting Swami.
2: Exactly. And in fact, what Swami says about the four types of devotees, hmm. what Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, hmm. where He says, hmm. Artha, Artharthi, Jignasu and
1: Yes, the one who is sick and seeking health, the one who is financially backward or down and seeking material wealth. The one who is seeking... Spiritual wisdom. Spiritual wisdom, yeah. Jignasu. And the jnani. And the jnani
2: who is, is, uh, Krishna says, is one with me. You know, which is the ultimate stage of wisdom. One who is seeking the Lord,
1: being a part of the Lord.
2: Exactly. But if you see this, you know, sometimes people see this as uh, three stages of devotion.
1: Four steps. You know, four of,
2: steps of devotion. But I hmm. feel you know it's it's a you could say four constituents of devotion, and hmm. in different stages, the percentage of one is more or less of the other. You
3: hmm. know,
2: at times there are times when we want uh, Swami's help to ward away health problems, and there are times when we want monetary security from Swami, and there are times when we are seekers, true seekers. You know we have uh, philosophical questions which snag us and we want that to be uh, removed and we turn to Swami.
1: Yes! And uh, just as another thought, I feel that also maybe it may not be that we are at different percentages basing on you know our spiritual evolution or something. I think when we are facing a financial crisis, we seek Him as an uh, Artha arati. When we are facing a medical problem, we seek Him as an arthi. When we are healthy, fine and everything is fine, good. If we happen to remember and not forget God, because it is often said that Dukh sumiran sab kare, sukh kare na koi. Right. in sorrow everyone remembers God, in happiness nobody. But in happiness, if we are able to think of God, I feel that is the time when we start thinking of maybe, you know, seeking out, Swami, why is this like this? Why is suffering in the world? Or you know, all these uh, jignyasu kind questions. The philosophical questions. Yeah. And jnani, I don't know. <laughs> Those jnani moments may be very few and far separated, but they do occur, definitely.
2: But I think the most important thing in this discussion I feel is we'll have to accept that all of us or at least most of us uh, 99.99% of us come to Swami seeking what Swami holds in His hand. Mm. right? I think that's why Swami makes that statement you know I've come to give you what you seek so that one day you will be ready to seek what i am come to give. So maybe what Swami has come to give is Himself. Mm. And the day we seek Him and not what He is here to give. I think uh, that's the final lap of the journey.
1: <laughs> I think that's a foregone conclusion that Swami has come to give of Himself. Because as you started off with that beautiful three experience, there also Swami said, but who wants Me? Right. It was almost as if like, I have spent 60 or 70 years of my life. You asked for many things I have given. When will you ask for what I have come to give?
2: Hmm. And it's, it's uh, especially living with Swami, you know, constantly seeing whether we are after what Swami is giving or after Swami. Maybe that itself may be a process which will help us stick to this. And you know, reminded of a very... Uh, another moment when Swami kind of got upset with the way people were actually turning away from Swami, even without their own knowledge. You mm. uh, know, reminded of an event when Swami was travelling to a spot in Kodekanal. You know, those boys were travelling in the bus behind Swami and Swami was travelling in his car. At one point, Swami stopped, and as Swami used to do in the earlier days, he got into the uh, bus along with the students. So there was Swami sitting on the stu- on one of the uh, seats, hmm. and there were boys all around Swami. Okay, hmm. as one of the old students narrated it to us, there were heads on both sides of Swami's shoulders, and there was there were heads on Swami's laps, and everybody was surrounding Swami, and they were like drinking every word Swami was speaking. Hmm. Okay, and and apparently, Swami was traveling to that Pillar Rock. You would have uh, be aware of that. Correct. It's a tourist location uh-huh. in Kodikanal. Tourist spot, huh? Okay. And at one point in the road, where there was a turning in the cliff, you could see the pillar rock from that point. Okay. Okay. And at that point, Swami said, "Hey, look, look, pillar rock, pillar rock is." And everybody was like peering out of the window and literally their torsos out <laughs> out of the window their necks. and creating the next and seeing. And Swami was telling that look that you know see the stream there and see that uh, you know you can see the cloud floating over the valley and all that. And boys were all enamoured and and for one moment everybody was looking out and nobody was actually with
1: Swami. Looking at, <laughs> and Swami, looking and at
2: Swami. Swami. And Swami made this very, very uh, painful statement if I could say. So Swami said, Look, 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 all beauty is outside. After all, only God is inside. You know, playing with the words. Hmm. That's what we do with our life. You know, we are always looking outside. Swami says, Yeah, look outside. All beauty is outside. After all, only God is inside. Hmm.
1: Uh, Yeah, beautiful.
2: I think similarly, even in our journey with Swami, it is so easy to get lost with what Swami is here to give. Even the happiness, even that joy of being with Swami, maybe sometimes will uh, take us away from having a focus on Swami.
1: In the true sense. In the true sense. While that is correct, Prem, in another sense, if we see, there are countless examples where the wonders of the hand, people come seeking the wonders of the hand but then stay back seeking Swami. Swami used to give the example of uh, Mother Yashoda pulling Krishna. She would draw him close when he used to do his mischief. When he is going wayward in the eyes of a mother, when a child is doing mischief and going wayward. So, she would hold out a butter in her left hand, hiding the stick behind. So that butter would be a way to pull Krishna. Once she catches him, she would punish him with the stick. Swami often used to say that, I hold out this worldly education that the university gives as that butter to draw you students before I give you the stick of Atma Vidya, which is the true education. Right. So, I feel, just like a Swami uses the butter and stick of secular learning and Atma Vidya, in the same way He uses it to do miracles and show us wonders of the hand, so that once we get close, He can catch hold of us and then give us the stick of Seeking the truth, that is seeking God and not the wonders.
2: I think it's very true and it's not like most people. I think all of us have that hmm. as a, you know, a, Yes, Artha, Artha, Jignyasu, everyone. Hey, we've all, and you know, like some one devotee was once telling that if you have one problem or if you have something lacking in your life, take that to be a hook on which Swami is going to, you know, kind of chain you and pull you towards Himself. And hmm. that's been the case with so many people, you know, they come with small problems, big problems, problems which they feel is so big for them at that point of time or problems which they feel that nobody else can solve it for them hmm. and when Swami steps in there and fills that lacuna you know, and gives you that kind of abhaya which nobody else can give, after that, your gaze turns towards the hand first of all hmm. and then Swami turns it towards Himself.
1: You know, when you speak this, I am reminded of the example of one Miss Subhashri Karthik. Okay. She says that it was somewhere in the 90s, in late I think 1995 or something that they got to know Swami and how they got to know was, that was a time when she had just got married and her younger brother was still studying and everything, you know, financially they were dependent on their father. Right. There was a loan that had to be cleared, up, a loan that had been taken for her marriage. In all this circumstance, her father had to undergo a hernia operation. Mm-hmm. Usually, though it is a painful operation, it is it is considered quite a minor, a minor tragedy, one.
3: Right.
1: But there was some small mess up that happened because of which her father got paralyzed. My God! It was a paralysis, and therefore he could not go to work. It became mm-hmm. a very uh, burdensome thing on the family, financial burden as well as emotional burden. Mm-hmm. And they were wondering, what is this? How could this get turned into such a big thing? And uh, they did everything possible medically. The doctors, the best uh, solution or the best advice that the doctors gave was doing something which would result in her father getting back to his feet mm. in, say, about 10 to 15 years' time. 10 to 15 years. That's huge. That's almost right. one fifth of a person's life. <laughs> right? So they then started, you know, resorting to visiting temples, conducting home arms and desperately clutching at straws anything that comes, anything that's floating by, they were like that, like a sinking man holding, uh, grasping for straws, floating. It was at that time that the brother, you know, this Subhashri Karthik's brother, heard about Swami and he said, you know, there's one Satisai Baba Baba, apparently he does all these wonder cures and he's a miracle man, let's let's go to him. And um, he did not even come to Puttaparthi. He went to Sundaram mm-hmm. and got Vibhuti from there. And after that, it was only Vibhuti water. They stopped all medication. Okay. And she says that within a week, within one week, seven days, they were all shocked when one day the father said that he wanted to go to the toilet. Just got up and walked to the toilet. They were just dumbfounded. And she says after that...
2: Fifteen years in ways, one week.
1: (laughs) Seven days and 15 years. Right. It's a double in years. It's (laughs) only seven days. And she says after that, their whole family, whole generation. Everybody reveres Swami as the Master, the Supreme Lord and they are devoted. So, if you see in this case, yes, for a medical reason, they might have come to Swami. But after that, it is a case where you come seeking the wonders of Swami's hand and then just get lost in Swami and begin to seek Swami.
2: Brilliant! And you know, another definition of artharti. Hmm. If you see the Sanskrit word, one is one who comes to assuage one's pain. Hmm. You know, it is easily uh, translated as somebody who has a medical problem. But there might be somebody who has a very deep loss and they come to Swami and hmm. for consolation.
1: Correct. Okay? Any kind of pain. E- even ah. that
2: that might draw in. I am reminded of uh, the story of a very, very sad story. In fact, you know, hmm. there is a mother who is widowed... In a very young age, and she's bringing up two daughters and a son. I think, hmm. and you know, the hope of the whole family lies on this son, huh. who is studying, and he just completes his BCom, and they all hoping that this guy will, you know, uh, get to a job, and the family can rely on him. Rely on him. So he does do well in his BCom, and he passes with first class and all that, and he gets a job. So his mother tells him that now you've got a job, go to Tirupati, you know, venkateshwara and offer your Salutations to him, and then come and take up your job. Hmm. Okay, so everything is going on fine, and suddenly one day, this mother and the sisters get the news that this boy is drowned in the tank of the temple. Oh my God! Okay, and you can imagine for years they've pinned all their hope on this boy, and suddenly comes this news that this boy is no more.
1: Must have been very painful.
2: Very very painful, and there is so much of pain, and the need of the hour is consolation. You need somebody who can tell you that. I am there for you and don't worry. Okay, And that is how they finally come to Swami. They come and... It's a very beautiful thing. You know, the first interview with Swami uh, calls them. Swami narrates the whole story himself. Oh, of how okay. uh, she lost her son.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: Swami uh, gives a very important revelation and that is the revelation which actually gives them more peace. Mm-hmm. Swami says that it was not an accident. And your son was not an ordinary boy. He's a very, very great devotee of Venkateshwara and this has been his goal of life. Mm-hmm. He wanted to give up life in Tirupati. Oh. and Swami says that in that uh, tank he actually saw the feet of Venkateshvara and he actually walked towards it and very willfully he drowned he, he did not slip and drown or anything like that and you know the uh, beautiful thing which happens there is this mother asked Swami that ok Swami I accept it if that is your will I accept it but uh, what pains me is I couldn't see him in this last last moments. I couldn't have a last look at my son hmm. so Swami said ok I will show it to you and Swami put out His palm and on the palm, Swami showed the whole scene of how her son walked into the tank. Oh! Wow! And this is a story of a family very deeply hurt by a big calamity and you know, nobody could console them. And they came to Swami and
1: needless to say, they held on to Swami and... One beautiful facet in this is, Prem, see, we often think that when a mother loses her son, the only way to console the mother would be to get back the son. Right. But see here, What a way Swami changed the entire perspective by saying, you know, He didn't drown and die. This is what He has sought. See, you have been seeking your son for the last 10-15 years as the hope of your family. As the hope of his life, this is what He has sought for lifetimes. Once you know that, I feel, of course, there will be that lacunae and pain which Swami will heal in other ways. But whenever she thinks of her son now, she feels gratitude and ennobled that she got a chance to be mother to such a great and glorious boy.
2: Exactly! And this is not the only case, you know, in many cases Swami has kind of, uh, you know, removed that grief completely, which you cannot imagine. <laughs> so many people with such loss, when they come to Swami, you know, when it is removed, it just. Nobody else can do that for Swami, and th- that is what actually draws them.
1: Well, Prem, you know, when I think of, for example, why I came to Swami, or. I came to Swami because my father told me Swami was God, and when I look at how actually the first member in the family happened to come to Swami. Okay,
2: go to the roots. Yeah, okay.
1: it is my father's eldest brother, mm-hmm. who is now in his 80s. He actually had a transfer. He was staying in Bangalore. Okay. He is staying in Bangalore anyway. He uh, In Bangalore, when he was working with Tomco, Tata's company, he was working uh, there and he got a transfer to Bombay. Mm-hmm. Now, Since the ancestral home was in Bangalore, he did not want to go to Bombay. And he was desperate to stay back. So, he was trying everything possible in the administrative manner. But nothing seemed to be working out. Then one night, he had a dream. You know, in Bangalore and Karnataka especially, you have this concept of Haridasa. It's there mm-hmm. in South India also. A person uh, walks along with a decked bull. Okay. And he, he plays a musical instrument and you know, uh, it's a way of... Kind of
2: soothsaying. Huh, and the he road. keeps
1: uh, predicting some things, goes door to door and you know, people uh, just support him by giving him some food, money and all that. Right. So, in his dream, he sees one Haridasa walking like this and you know, just touching him, tapping him on his head and blessing him. Mm-hmm. So, he woke up in the morning and felt, whatever it may be, it's a good omen, you know, a nice person like this coming and blessing me. A few days later, as he's going on his scooter in one temple near Sheshadripuram, in Bangalore, he sees there's a gathering of about 40-50 people and somebody's giving a talk. Passing by the road, curiously, he looks to his utter shock and amazement, the Haridasa who came in his dream, mm-hmm. is standing there and delivering a talk. Same person. Same person. Okay, he says that same bushy hair, <laughs> you know that is, the suspense is revealed now. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. That Haridasa was Swami in his dream. And so, he goes to the crowd there and asks, you know, who is this person who was giving a talk? Okay. And they tell him that he is Satisai Sai Baba, he is a miracle worker, he does wonderful things. He is Shirdi Baba's avatar and all the basic intros. And they say he is in Puttaparthi, which is about 9 hours journey from here. In those days, it was 9 hours from Bangalore. So, you know what my uncle thinks? He thinks, if this person is a miracle worker, he can somehow cancel my transfer. (laughs) Cancel my transfer. transfer, You know? (laughs) It's almost like how Swami says, you go to a Kalpavriksha wish-fulfilling tree and ask for coffee powder. Like that, he thought, you know, I'll ask if he can... So, he took my father along with him and he travelled all the way to Puttaparthi and he was all planning as to how he should explain the problem to Swami, you know. He was a young lad, so he thought, if he asked me, it was like, you know, he was more like a friend's mm-hmm. age for him. 2-3 okay. years. How to open then.
2: the concept? Ah, so just, you
1: so, see, I actually work mm-hmm. in such and such a company and... So he knows about
2: transfers. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> transfer and you know, my ancestral home is here. He had made his whole plan. Right. He was called for an interview and when he went into the interview room, uh, when Swami called him to speak, Swami was speaking to each individual separately. When he called him in, Swami said, let me assure you that you will not be going to Bombay. Okay? Now, ask what you want to ask. My uncle was just tongue-tied. He just thought, that's it. I mean, I can just walk out now. That's all it is. But with that one statement, Swami walked into not only his heart, but into the hearts of the whole family. And today, I mean, if I see every one of us, it was in that manner that Swami chose him as an instrument to walk into our lives. But today when I look at it, so foolish. Imagine he... (laughs) He came to Swami seeking what? A cancellation of a transfer. But well, He sought that wonder of His hand. But finally, I mean, you know, it has resulted in a family holding on to Swami. So I feel that seeking the wonders of Swami's hand is not a crime as such. But it automatically leads to a kind of evolution where you stop seeking what He is giving and start seeking Him.
2: And you know, talking of people who are seeking, there are a few who come seeking spiritual wisdom to, hmm. you know seeking uh, things like you know monetary help or related to health is quite common because that's a very common thing in human life and everybody faces them and if somebody is there who can solve that problem we would very well go and seek that from them but there are people who came to Swami as spiritual seekers who wanted to advance themselves in the spiritual journey too and I think one of them is our uh, lecturer we all know him very well Bhagya Sir
1: yeah, Professor a, H J. Bhagya Right, he's a from the Department of uh, Management,
2: Management Studies.
1: Hmm.
2: He would often tell this, you know, you've heard it from him many, many times.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> you should narrate it. Yes.
2: He was a devotee. I mean, I don't know how exactly he was drawn to Swami. The initial story, maybe one day we will get it from him. But he came to Swami. He was working in uh, the Gulf, and the reason why he actually relocated and came to Puttaparthi and or came to India as such was that he wanted to concentrate on his spiritual life.
1: Pursue spirituality. Pursue spirituality.
2: Hmm. So that's why he came here, and he came. He comes to Puttaparthi, Swami appoints him as a lecturer, and then with the time he realizes that in this assignment which Swami has given him is taking so much of his time hmm. that he's not able to concentrate. I mean, he's almost leading the same life he was leading in, you know, in, in the Gulf. Elsewhere, huh? So he said, I've come here, and this is the reason why I've come to Swami. I want to concentrate. I want to meditate. I want to, you know, it's a true jignasu. Yeah, true jignasu. So, he's saying and these fellows and I'm sure students must have uh, been very naughty for him (laughs) to let him concentrate on his spiritual life. So, he desired that I have to ask Swami and maybe uh, go to the Himalayas or something and pursue my spirituality seriously. Mm. So, at one occasion, he got up and told Swami that, Swami, uh, this is my situation and do something. I don't think I can continue teaching like this because it's not giving me the joy I came for. Mm. And what Swami told him was really stunning. Mm. Swami said, if you listen to me and teach in this college the way I'm asking you to, okay, I will give you whatever knowledge you are seeking. But if you want to seek it yourself and if you you know run away from the responsibility I'm giving you, take my word, for the next thousand births, I will make sure that you don't get it.
1: <laughs> I remember, you know, he the actual statement that he said, you know, sir said that Swami told him, if you separate this has spiritual work right. and this has non-spiritual work. In a thousand births, I will not give you liberation. I will not give you what you are seeking. And Bhagesar said, the first thought that came into his head was, Oh my God, to get a human birth, we have to pass through 84 lakh species. And so 84 lakh species into thousand is, my God, it goes into crores. And, you know, Mark Swami's words, he did not say that after a thousand births, you will not get. He said, after a thousand births, I will not give. I will not give. That's the... So, the <laughs> granting authority is here and that made him realize, Oh my God, what is it? So, I shall seek Swami and when I seek Swami, if Swami tells me to teach statistics in the MBA department, so be it. And that is how a Jignyasu too who came to Swami seeking only spiritual pursuits was taught that whatever was his pursuit is itself spiritual.
2: In fact, another uh, devotee I am reminded of is, no. I think you would have read the book Anandadai, Sri Satasai Anandai. Mm. You know, uh, she writes about her mother, and mm. she also is a very, very spiritually and very devout woman, mm. and who came to Swami with the idea that here is an ashram and here is Swami, mm. he is definitely a, a spiritual giant. So I can stay in his ashram, I can pursue my, you know, spiritual uh, sadhana or whatever. Mm. And she came here, and what Swami does, Swami says, "Okay, sweep the ashram." Cook for the devotees hmm. and you know, wash the portico. And at a point in time, she found, What is this, Swami? I thought you're going to give me a mantra, and I thought you're going to ask me to go into the caves and do some meditation. And this is what, I mean, you're making me do the same thing which I've been doing all my life. Hmm. Okay, And she used to always keep telling herself, Why is Swami not giving me this? Why is not Swami giving this? And uh, I think she narrates in that book how some sadhakas come from uh, Ramanashram. Hmm. When Namanamashi is about to leave his body, he mm. sends few of his disciples to Swami. That's what she narrates in that book. Okay. okay, and she meets them, and Swami gives her the duty of taking care of them and their needs and all that. So she's so interested because here are people who are real sadhakas who are mm. coming from a real ashram, not like the one <laughs> which she's staying in, where you know she kind of uh, she feels that she's disillusioned with what uh, she's going through. Mm. So she asks them, uh, "What do you do in Ramnashram?" and they go about telling the whole schedule we wake up at 3 o'clock and we do this and we do that we meditate for so many hours together and you know we do upavasa and all that so she's so fascinated by it so at one point I think I don't know exactly how it happens it's a long time since I've read that book where Swami calls these people and asks them what did your guru tell you when he asked you to come here Hmm. so they went on to say that they were at a point in time in their sadhana that they needed a guide and their guru was apparently it was time for him to depart, so he told them that you go to Puttaparthi and stay there with Swami, and he will take care of you. And Swami asked them, "What did he asked you to do here?" Okay, and they said, A "Very strange." He said, "Just go to Puttaparthi, just do bhajans and sit there." Hmm. And okay, and this lady who heard this was so surprised because it actually did not matter of you know what you thought of your concept of spirituality actually did not matter at all. Swami was the one who was giving it, and the issuing you know, authority. Yeah, hmm. she realized that she was actually seeking what she wanted from Swami's hand,
1: not what Swami was here to give. You, you take me back into my own, uh, you know, my own memories, Prem. Because uh, as I said, even I tried, you know, sometime thinking of. I think we discussed this in some satsang, where I was thinking of doing something because I felt my life is stagnating here. I Means I felt I also want to pursue spirituality, and what is this daily? I go chant, sing bhajans, chant Veda. Come, come here, study, and it's what is so special? I don't seem to be moving. It seems to be so stagnant. And yes, at the end of it, it resulted with Swami, you know, in my dream, telling me that all you need to do is have darshan. That's enough. Rest I'll take care. And then I realized that you know, here is what you are seeking. This is the ultimate. Okay, so why do you listen to what somebody else is telling? It's not appropriate but like right from the horse's mouth you are getting it. <laughs> I mean, you know, Swami is directly telling you, you just do this. If Swami says, you sell radishes in front of mandir, that's enough, I'll take care. That's all that matters. You know, you sell radishes and it's taken care. So, I feel that also, you know, sometimes become our concept of sadhana itself becomes an hindrance in our sadhana, and demolishing that concept itself becomes a sadhana.
2: Very true, because you know, uh, as one of the spiritual writers puts it, you know, your ego is always trying to dominate you. Mm. Okay, and in the world, if you're in worldly life, you want authority, you want to have a degree, you want to have a social, you know, stature mm.
1: that
2: people look up to you. So when you turn to spirituality, the ego will find other ways of dominating you. Mm. It wants you to feel that now see you're a spiritual man. You've taken taken to the spiritual path. You're special. You're different from the others. <laughs> you know you're better than the rest. That kind of feeling and that is when you, know, you want people to see you and feel that yeah see how much sadhana does he do? You know how much uh, how many things he does? How many hours of meditation he does? Mm. And here Swami will be striking at the root of that. Mm. Some will be telling a person who wants to do Seva, don't do Seva. Some will be telling a person who wants to do Japam, some will tell don't do Japam. Because you know, it eventually comes to that, breaking that idea which you have created mm. and seeking what Swami is here to give.
1: prem though this is a slightly side point, I definitely wish to bring it up here because as we discuss, we realize that when viewed in a proper perspective, everything makes so much sense. And therefore, I feel it is wrong to say that, you know, in an interview Swami told him that you need not do Japa. Right. So, I will not do. Because it is such a personalized prescription. To some, Swami has said, "You why some in our own studio, my colleague, Swami told him that, I have given you work, why are you neglecting your work? Don't come even for darshan, let me not see you here, go and work. That was his redemption. For me, I was told, have darshan. So, many times, in middle of my work, when I hear the siren, Swami's car is going, Swami is going somewhere, I just drop everything and go. But my colleague would not. Now, it would be wrong for me to judge my colleague or wrong for my colleague to judge me. In the same way, I feel, in this spiritual path, two things that are absolutely necessary is, one, is absolute sincerity and honesty. Because if we try to cheat anybody, we are cheating ourselves. Let us realize what is it that Swami is telling us because Swami has promised, if you need Me, you deserve Me and whoever seeks, I will speak to them. So when we seek Swami, Swami will speak, Swami will give us guidance. We should only be honest and have the courage to implement that. And second thing is, when we are implementing something that Swami has told us, let us also know that in the same way others are implementing what Swami has told them. I am no one to question what they are doing is right or wrong. Just as there are nobody to question what I am doing is right or wrong. But all this comes under the disclaimer that you are doing it honestly from the bottom of your heart. Others are taken care of. Why bother?
2: Very true. I mean, though it's a point which is slightly off, slightly off our discussion, it's a very important point because, you know, somewhere I always feel from what Swami has said and what we have observed in the Ashram, you know, it's so necessary to avoid being judgmental. Mm. because it's always better to judge somebody as good and be wrong than to judge somebody as bad forget somebody, and somebody. be wrong.
1: <laughs> forget somebody else. You know, we often get into judging Swami. Right. We say that in 1965, on 31st March, Swami, I don't know, I'm just saying that, <laughs> but on that day, Swami said like this. But on this discourse, Swami said like this. In this, I mean, as if like how you deal with an academic work, that day's audience was different. That day, there was somebody who needed to hear something. When Swami is speaking, he's dealing with children from the kindergarten to students from the postgraduate. And not only physically, but even in a spiritual level, there are kindergarten people sitting there and postgraduate students sitting there. Imagine if you are a teacher addressing a class like this, how difficult it would be for you to teach. So, you have to mix up things and make sense for the postgraduate person as well as the kindergarten child. Instead of doing intellectual academic analysis, let us just follow our heart. Let us just follow our heart and whatever we get inspired when we see Swami, when we read His Discourse, when we hear it. Let us know that that point which strikes our heart and inspires us is Swami's message for us. Because if you have noticed, not the same sentence strikes everybody and inspires everybody. Different things in the discourse inspire different people. So what inspires us is for us. Let us hold on to that and follow it. Rather than you know making going to that uh, thing of getting judgmental, saying, Swami said that at this time, Swami said this at this time. And they're uh, opposites, how can that be?
2: The other way of looking at it, you know, it what I'm uh, tending towards seeing is at one point Swami is saying, do Japam and you'll get it. And the other point, Swami is saying, don't do Japam. To some, he is saying, do Seva. To some, he's is saying, don't do Seva. Of course, there are some things which are standard. Namaskarna is something which Swami prescribes to everybody.
3: Hmm.
2: But what I'm trying to say is, there are stages when Swami says, you do this. And to somebody else, Swami says you don't do. It just brings me to the understanding that it doesn't matter what you do. What matters is do what Swami is telling you to do. Because it that may not be what Swami is telling. Just do what Swami is telling you to do. Because that shows that you are seeking Swami. Right. When you seek Swami, what makes Swami happy makes you happy. Right. And it is not in what you do. What you do is not going to get you what you seek. Actually, it is just that obedience. You know, the most important thing in a guru-sishya relationship or that of a devotee and, a, and God. is just that obedience. It is not what you do in obedience.
1: Correct. It's just obedience. You know Prem, when we started this topic, we said that we often seek what Swami gives us. Even these things, you know, thinking that Namasmarana is a way to reach Swami. So, Swami will encourage me on the path of Namasmarana because He has come to lead me to God. Swami will encourage me on the path of Seva. These are also things that we seek of Him. And when He doesn't fit to that, you think, how can this be? What is happening? But if we truly seek Swami, whatever makes Swami happy, makes us happy. It is as simple as that. You know, I am reminded of uh, the story of the Gopikas. It's a famous, Swami has narrated so many times in His discourses. Krishna starts, you know, in order to show the devotion and the maturity that the Gopikas have because everybody, you know, is jealous, telling, what is so special about Gopikas? Why is Krishna having so much love towards the Gopikas? So one day Krishna has a severe headache. A severe headache and all the divine physicians and everybody are called. Nobody's treatment seems to have any effect on Lord Krishna. And then Krishna says, there's only one medicine for this. Who can get it for me? So, everybody says, what is it, O Lord? Tell us. We will get it. Then Krishna says, I have to apply on my forehead the dust from the feet of a devotee. Which devotee is ready to give the dust of his or her feet for me to apply on my forehead? The minute this is said, you know how it is considered that you know you place your foot on the Lord's photograph, it is considered like a sin. Right. So, every devotee shudders thinking, what is the kind of sin I will get by applying the dust of my feet onto the Lord's forehead? Oh my God! I am not ready to do this! But when Krishna tells, go and ask the Gopikas, the minute sage Narada tells this to the Gopikas, instantly they, you know, raise their feet, shake off the dust, put it and give it and say, if this is going to heal Lord Krishna, please take this to Him at the earliest. They did not bother. If sin accrues of it, so what? For them what mattered was, what Krishna wants is what we want. That kind where We are ready to even go against our own mindsets. You know, in any normal instance, nobody will think of putting a foot on the Lord's image. But what if Swami tells, go and kick that idol? Are we ready? I know I am giving an extreme example, but then it is that we are truly seeking Swami. Because Swami indeed tells that, you know. He tells us, we build an idol, an image of ourselves, and He tells us, are you ready to kick that? We are not ready to kick that. Swami, we worship this image, you too should worship it. We are so attached to that. So these are the things that come, I feel, in our way of seeking Swami. Vis-a-vis seeking what he is ready to give us.
2: Very true, Arvind, you know, from what you have said, you know, before we move ahead, what you've discussed so far. Thing is, we all seek what Swami has come to give. Hmm. And it's not a bad thing because the good thing which has happened with us is we have sought it from Swami. Hmm. We could have sought it from anywhere. And uh, the blessings which Swami has given us is, we have turned to Swami for it. You know, free education, you could have sought it anywhere. Like somebody was telling, so many European countries offer free education. It's like we turned to Swami for it and at that moment, Swami drew us through that. Or for that matter, health. lecture of mine was telling, there are people in Kashi who can do all kinds of miracles. Hmm. Okay, and uh, as Ramakrishna Paramaham used to always used to say, that Siddhis are a distraction. So many of these people may be caught up in that distraction of having powers. But we have turned to Swami. For some reason, Swami has drawn us to Him. Instead of seeking from anybody else, even the miracles we have sorted from Swami. And I think that process of seeking itself will actually lead us to seek Him. Uh, we will come to that point maybe after a short break. We have had uh, close to 45 minutes of discussion. We will take a short break here, dear listeners. We are going to play
1: for you a beautiful song. And Yes, and that song exactly echoes what... We have all been discussing, that is, we come, O Lord, to seek your face and not the wonders of your hand. Meaning we seek you, O Lord, and not what your hand is capable of giving us.
4: Of so grace, a part of your great land. We have come to seek your faith, for the wonders of your
3: hand.
4: And yes, we need your touch, for you given us so
3: much.
4: And we just want to thank you for all you've done for us. We come to praise your name. King of kings and Lord of God, we come to give you praise, you are the one that we adore. Oh Lord, cleanse our hearts with fire, fill us with desire for your good, for your presence in our life. Of great love, and our hearts are filled with praise, for all that you have done, there is none like you, so faithful and so true, we just want to thank you, for all your broad of we come to praise your name, King of kings and Lord of love, if you pray, you are the one that we adore. Oh Lord, can the heart.
2: welcome back your listeners and that song I think is a Christmas carol song Arvind yes. uh, which was sung by Swami students during one of the Christmas carols I think
1: this was 2007
2: right and as the song uh, echoed those feelings I hope one day we could stand in front of Swami and say it uh, with all our heart saying that we have not come to seek the wonders of your hand we come to seek your grace coming back to the discussion Arvind we left out with a point saying you know The process of seeking anything from Swami's hand will eventually lead us to seeking Swami Himself. Hmm. And I think uh, the most famous story which could come up in our mind is the story of Dhruva, right? Hmm, yeah. It's a very beautiful story and in fact, you know, if you read uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, I think the most famous Modern version of Srimad Bhagavatam is Kamala Subramanyam's Srimad Bhagavatam. Very it. beautiful. Very beautiful and the description she gives in different stages
1: and in different episodes is very beautiful. She has the ability to transport you. So rather than a reader, you become a participant and the whole scene seems to be happening all around you. Right. Very wonderful. And
2: perfect selection of words mm. in, in many occasions. Talking of the story of Dhruva, mm. you know, the story goes that Dhruva is the son of he's the second uh, sorry, son of second king, son of Uth-
1: king Uttanapada. Uttanapada
2: and Uttanapada has two wives one Correct. is suruchi and suruchi suniti and, suniti. and uh, he is the son of suniti
1: yes the elder queen but who has been dominated by the younger queen suruchi right and therefore suruchi's son always gets to sit on uh, the
2: lap of the father
1: and uh, little Druva does not on right,
2: one occasions. dhruva is kind of sent away by the stepmother, saying that you don't have a place in your father's lap. And at that point, she says something that you know, if you want to come and sit on your father's lap,
1: pray to Lord Narayana. And you have born. to be
2: born in my womb, correct, to have the uh, you know place in your father's lap. Hmm. So he goes crying to his mother, and mother is a very very pious woman, and she says that the only refuge we have is Lord Narayana.
1: Now imagine Prem, what? What glorious virtues! No wonder that Swami keeps speaking about Dhruva, his mother. You know, imagine your son is coming to you and telling you, Mother, I can sit on father's lap only if I am born of my stepmother. And she says, Ask Narayana, he will fulfill. And the mother's response, so mature and so wise, she says, Yes, my child, there is nothing that Lord Narayana cannot grant. Definitely go, he is our only refuge and seek from him. Wow! (laughs) Where do we see that? I mean, she doesn't pick up cudgels and go and fight with her.
2: Right. And, you know, imagine, Dhruva is a 5-year-old boy Hmm. and he says that, right, if that is the only way, I will go and seek it from Narayana. And so, he says, how do I seek it from Narayana? And the mother tells him, tapas, only through penance. So, this little 5-year-old boy sets out to the forest to do penance and receive this boon from Lord Narayana and he goes and, the story goes that, you know, he meets Narada on the way. Sage Narada. Sage Narada on the way, and Sage Narada is surprised to see five-year-old prince coming to the forest, and he says, that is, well, "Yeah, uh,
1: fully populated with wild beasts." Right, and he says
2: he tries to kind of dissuade him, saying that you know there's not a place for you. Hmm. Go back to your play school. Hmm. And there are scorpions here. There are uh, wild animals here, and there are snakes here. And he says, "No, I've come here to seek from Narayana." So hmm. Narada asks him, "How are you going to pray? What are you going to pray to him as?" He says, "I don't know. Hmm. I've come here." And then, the story goes that Narada actually initiates him into the Ashtakshari Ashtakshari mantra. Om Om Namo Narayanaya.
1: No, I'm sorry. Uh, He initiates him into Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya.
2: Vasudevaya. Right. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Correct. And young Dhruva is sitting there and in the Bhagavatam. It's so beautifully narrated. He takes five months of penance. Hmm. And each month, progressively, he gives up, you know, the first month, he he gives up food. food. And the second month is subsists only on, on berries dry leaves, and, uh, berries. berries, and the third month is only on dry leaves. The fourth month is only on water. And the fifth month is only on air.
1: And it, it, after that, in the sixth month, he stops even breathing, right? Because of which the heavens begin to choke. Exactly.
2: And that is when Narayana appears in front of him. And that again, that scene is very beautifully portrayed in Kamala Subramaniam's Srimad Bhagavatam. She says that here is this five-year-old boy, you know five-year-old, I think you must be in first standard, second standard, (laughs) if you are a five-year-old now.
1: First grade. the
2: Lord is appearing in front of you, you know, the shank, chakra and the uh, The discused mace, the six arms and so much of glory in that form. So, this little boy, he's so enamoured by that vision, but he's not able to express it. Hmm. He doesn't have words to express it. And the story goes that Vishnu places that shanku, the the conch, on the cheek of young Dhruva. Hmm. and thereby transfer some knowledge into him so that he can praise the Lord whom he, who has manifested in front of him.
1: Yeah, it is traditional practice that in front of the Lord, you sing the stutis of the Lord, right. the hymns in praise of the Lord.
2: And of course, we see it as a protocol now, but I think then it was like if the Lord appeared in front of spontaneous me, you, you cannot help but spontaneously go and praise him. Correct. And that's what Dhruva wanted to do, and but he didn't have the scholarship to do that. But here was Lord Vishnu giving him the scholarship so said okay, now sing to your hearts content hmm. and uh, you know he sings out in praise and he uh, describes the form which is standing in front of him and finally Vishnu says okay dear child what do you want what did you seek me for and he says uh, lord i wanted you only i wanted nothing but you i want only your grace i want to always be at your feet that's all i want and i think there's another interesting
1: dialogue which exactly. i was there. waiting i think Swami used to say that right yeah I yeah you Prem, share that uh-huh, because this is something that i didn't find in any You know, in any of the traditional narrations of of Dhruva's story, Swami says that when Lord Vishnu asked Dhruva, what is it that you want? When Narayana asked Dhruva, what is it you want? Dhruva says, Lord, in all these seven worlds, you knew where exactly I was and you have come to me. Don't you know what is there in my mind? Why do you ask? You know what is it that I seek? And Lord Narayana tells him that, see... and Swami tells this so beautifully. Swami says, I mean, this is what Swami said that Lord Narayana said okay. and it was almost like an autobiographical account that, you know, I told him at that time, none of these people have recorded it. Mm. It was something like that. So, Swami said, See, manasekam vachas ekam, karma nyekam, mahatmanam which means, if you have unity in your thought, word mm. and deed, you become a great person. And so, Swami said that, Vishnu tells Dhruva, See Dhruva, you have had manasekam. You have had a thought in your head. Karmanyekam you have done. Means you have done an act appropriate to that that is seeking Me. Done penance. Yes. So, there has been unity in your thought and deed. Say it in the word and win that jackpot of unity (laughs) in thought, word and deed and become a Mahatmana. So, there also the Lord, you know, made Him a Mahatma by making Him state that My desire is to be one with You. Because that was His thought, that was the word and that was the deed. And that is an interesting story that Swami tells. But the highlight of the whole thing is Dhruva set out so that he can win God's grace to sit on the lap of his father. That was his objective, sole objective. But once the Lord appeared before him, the process of seeking the Lord itself made him transform his desire into seeking only the Lord. He started by seeking what the Lord is capable of giving. I mean, and then ended up seeking the Lord Himself, telling nothing else I want. And in fact, if we go to the Bhagavatam, the story continues by saying that Lord Narayana tells him that, yes, your heart seeks to be one with me, and that is granted. Now, having granted that, you know, I am so happy with you. Now go, you will rule, rule your, your, kingdom your kingdom for thousands of years, and then you will stay immortal as the Dhruva Nakshatra. In India, you know, the pole star is called as the Dhruva Nakshatra right. and it is believed that the pole star is known to be a guide for all sailors. But in Bharat, it is believed that the Dhruva Nakshatra is a guiding star, not only in your physical journeys, but even in the spiritual journeys that is always prodding you on to seek the Lord and the Lord alone. Right,
2: And you know, another contemporary example I am reminded of, is uh, one of our staff in a university, you know, he was telling me this very interesting thing. Mm. He finished his graduation and he was just looking out for a job mm. and he found that here was a university which has just come up and they're looking for staff in their administrative block. So he just applied and he got in, okay. So he never came to Swami as a devotee. And in fact, you know, when he came, he says in the interview they asked him, Do you know Sundaram? Because he's from Chennai, Chennai. Okay. He, he said, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> they were referring to Sundaram uh, the center, uh, Swami Swami's residence in Chennai. Hmm. But he was saying, who is that? So, that was how out of touch he was. You know, He didn't know anything about Swami. And that's how he came. And he narrates, one you know, of the first few weeks after he has joined, he turns to his side and he sees next to him uh, the senior politician in India, Atal Bihari Vajpayee, sitting. Hmm. Just beside him, in the portico. And the interesting thing was just a month before he had joined the university he had actually taken part in a rally which Atal Bihari Vajpayee was supposed to address okay so he was part of a millions of youth who had gone to you know support and listen to Atal Bihari Vajpayee hmm. and here he is sitting in the portico and just beside him Mr Vajpayee is sitting <laughs> so he said you know at that moment you know the way how swami inspires us to think he says look at this swami i mean I went to a rally to see this man, and when I sought Swami, this man is sitting next to me. So he says, "How much more Swami can give than what you seek?" And you know, I think that is what happens when we seek from Swami. Like you know, when we go to him with a problem which we have not found solution elsewhere, and Swami can solve it, you're taken by awe. Oh, Swami can do! You
1: realize his magnificence, his grandeur, his glory, his power. And then you feel so small asking for your. Right, and next
2: time when Swami asks what do you want, I think you wouldn't dare to ask for anything else because you know that Swami can give you so much. You will be like you know the story that you told the last week, the child who is putting his little hand into the pot of uh, the jar of chocolates.
1: I'm reminded of another child of God like this, Prem, Naren, Naren, who later became Swami Vivekananda. You know he faced a lot of financial troubles in his life and he felt he had a family to support. I and think
2: his father passed away when correct, he was in correct, college. Correct. Right. And
1: so, the financial support of his family collapses and here he is a young man, sturdy body, able mind and having all the potential but spending all his life in quest of God under a Guru whom half the place considered as a madman. madman. Okay. Today we revere and respect Sri Ramakrishna Paramahamsa, but during his times, never. It's almost as if Everybody learns the value after something is gone. I mean, thank God, you know, dear listeners, we are all so grateful that we got a chance to, you know, be with Swami and when He was physically in our midst. But anyway, coming back to this, He goes to Ramakrishna Paramahamsa Vivekananda Naren and tells, Guru, what is this? You go tell your mother, you know, because Ramakrishna Paramahamsa used to have long conversations with mother. Kali. Mother Kali. That's what draws him to
2: Ramakrishna in the first place.
1: Yes. Because uh, he says... There was one person who could authoritatively say that, yes, I have seen God. I have seen God and I see God as I see you. you. So, he says, next time you see your mother, you tell her. You tell her that, you know, I am struggling like this. Let her help me out. And then Ramakrishna Paramahamsa says, Naren, why are you wanting an intermediary? He opens the temple door and he says, go. Go ask the mother what you want. Naren is determined. He says, you're sure she will give? He says, Naren, whatever you ask, she will give. You go. He goes to the temple. He comes out. He's looking a little bit crestfallen and Ramakrishna Paramahamsa asks him, what happened? He says, Guru, when I went there, I asked for faith and devotion. He says, Naren, are you you a fool? Go, 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 go go. ask again. You know, in the typical Ramakrishna that style, "You, you go, Naren, you go ask. Ask mother for she will never say no. Nah, she will never. Her <laughs> love is very low. Great. Again, Naren goes and you know if you see Naren's experience when he stands before the idol and when he stands before the mother, he realizes what the mother is. He is able to perceive her, and then he feels so petty asking for her wealth. He again falls on his knees. Tears flowed on profusely from his cheeks, and he says, "Mother, give me devotion." Mother, give me steadfast faith. Mother, give me everlasting service at your lotus feet. And he comes out and he tells to his Guru, Guru, you know, whenever I go in front of the mother, I can't ask for anything else but love, faith and devotion. And then Ramakrishna Paramahamsa tells him, that is mother's love. That is mother's love that she ensures that you ask for the most wonderful gifts that she can give you rather than ask for cheap tinsel and trash. Indeed blessed are you Naren. And you know that is the beginning. That is the beginning of the transformation of Naren to Swami Vivekananda. And we know what a roaring lion he is. And even today he is such a source of inspiration which I am sure earning 1 lakh gold coins that day from mother (laughs) would not have made him. It is what the mother bestowed on him that has made him what he is today.
2: We would have lost to Vivekananda (laughs) had he asked for the wrong thing on that day. (laughs) You know, uh, when I look at the, this discussion, you know, when when I look at this question, of do we seek Swami? Or do we seek the protection which Swami gives? I am uh, pushed to visualize it this way, you know. Okay. If you think in all sense, you know, what we finally come to Swami for is happiness or Correct. peace of mind. Hmm. It's just that at one point a solution to a health problem is what will give us happiness. Mm. At one point, money is what will give us happiness and that Mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. So, every time, what we think will give us peace and happiness is what we come for Swami. I think
1: that's fair. Ultimately, what we want is happiness. Exactly. So,
2: you know, if you can picturize happiness or peace as one bubble inside you.
1: Very easy, Prem, because it seems so (laughs) flimmily like a bubble. (laughs) uh, uh, (laughs) Anytime it will pop and you have lost your happiness.
2: And let us say that you will be most happy If that bubble is a perfect spherical, uh, you know, figure, okay, it should be perfectly spherical. There should be no bubble sphere, right? Always. Yeah. The problem is this bubble is attached to so many strings. So one string is your health, one string is your wealth, one string is your uh, you know relationship, your egos, okay. And to keep this bubble in that perfect figure, all these should be in perfect tension, in perfect balance. Okay. Sometimes something pulls more, so you want to pull it back and make sure that you know the bubble doesn't lose its shape. So, all the while in life, now we are actually pulling at all these strings and trying to make that bubble stay intact.
1: Prem, actually, you know, this is the truth in life. We are trying to keep our happiness bubble by trying to get perfect tension. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
2: Well put. And you know, what happens with us in life is we have two hands and you can imagine that even in the uh, inner realm, at a point, we are not able to manage this by ourselves. So, we come to Swami or we come to any uh, a spiritual master thinking that he will help us keep this bubble intact by helping to keep the tension intact in all these strings. Hmm. So, I am not able to pull this health string to keep this thing intact. So, God just help me pull this, this string. You know? Or I am not able to hold on to this string. You know, my relationships are fine. My money I have taken care of. But only this health is actually pulling me. So, you come to God. So, all the while you are trying to come to God to make sure that he keeps this Manage bubble the of peace and you know happiness intact by managing these strings. Correct. Hmm. But actually okay. what Swami does for us is completely different.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: What Swami does is He actually snaps all these strings. And Swami is trying mm-hmm. to tell us that left alone this bubble will be in its shape. It's just that you are attaching it to all these strings. And though we come to Swami to handle these strings, Swami silently what He does is He does handle it for a while and slowly without our knowledge or with our knowledge He stops snapping these strings. Wow so that you know, whether the string is pulling you or not pulling you, that will not affect you in your happiness.
1: Beautiful, beautiful visualization and beautiful picture, Prem. And that actually explains so many things, where apparently, Swami is depriving you of something. You know, when you think He cuts off the strings, it's like, you falsely think that a part of you is getting lost. But in order to retain your original identity as Prema Swarupalara or Ananda Swarupalara, an embodiment of joy, he's actually snapping away the strings i think that is a very beautiful analogy prem and this reminds me you know of all the strings maybe we can consider it like the creation you know the creation that has come out from the lord mm-hmm. so once we are with the lord we need not worry about actually the creation and this was swami's message even during that you know epoch making we have all heard of it the summer course in ooty in 1970 Six, I think that was. Right.
2: The first summer course to be held
1: in Ooty. In that has become epochal because Swami materialized a medallion right, on which was embossed the map of India, right, where 18 points had been marked out as centers which will be coming Sai centers. And Swami materialized this and He said that see, in this map, you can see all the points where Sai centers will be coming up. You know, I will not take away the beauty of mm-hmm. that discourse. We will hear Swami speaking, that. But the point I want to make here is, when He passed around that medallion for people to see, because He said that, the whole future is written here. Anybody wants to read, can read it. But it was written in such fine lettering that somebody had to borrow somebody's glasses, you know, which was like a what we call soda glasses. Right!
2: Somebody was wearing very thick glasses on that day. Thick focal
1: length glasses, Right. due to very acute short sightedness or acute farsightedness. So, such a lens was borrowed and somebody tried to see and all that he could, that boy could make out was that it is indeed in Sanskrit. Right! That's all. Nothing else. So, they were all a little disappointed. You know, here is something that Swami is giving and none of us is able to read it. Immediately, you know, Swami says, but why are you all getting worried and fretting? The creator of that medallion is with you. Why do you worry about the creation? When you listen to that, it hits you so strongly. Because all sudden the creation is beautiful, magnificent. But when you are with the creator, who is capable of doing this at will, why hanker after the creation?
2: And I think Arvind, we should listen to that particular clip which Swami is giving his discourse. And uh, dear listeners, this clip was uh, recorded. I don't think even Swami had a mic when he spoke this. Because it was in a very close group. Only the students of the summer course were there and Swami We are grateful
1: to the person who recorded it. Right. Because it not only throws light upon just the topic that we are discussing today, it's magnificent and no summary can do justice to it. The best way to do justice to it is to hear it in its pristine glory.
2: Right. So, dear listeners, we will just play that clip for you now.
5: What I am going to do in future for this country, India, and for the rest of the world will now be shown to you on what I am going to materialize. What I have materialized contains the map of India and contains all the 18 different components of India and and on each component is shown where the memorial stupas which would represent the work done by me or the work that is going to be done in each of the 18 states of India is being written and is available in pictorial form on this medallion which I have just now materialized. And on the medallion is inscribed in Sanskrit verse the work and the future tasks which I am going to fulfill.
6: The EA state Lopla this body in which i have come is going to be present
5: for another 46 years from now onwards in those 46 years, whatever dharmasthapana, whatever work will be done by me in each one of the states and in the country itself and what kind of dharmasthapana, what kind of colleges, what kind of education will be established is all written now, for the next 46 years the program is now written on the medallion that has been materialized. <laughs> Not only this, which boy will be entrusted the task in which of the 18 states is also written on this
6: medallion? If there is anyone who can read
5: the Sanskrit script, he can read it very well. What is written on
6: this? I would never say
5: anything
6: about there may error that people will have news and have spirit to Dob consumption. Even that means that they experience SHOP in 1949 and very effective dadurch variably. And one thing can both also demonstrate therastam and spirit to foster sure that theyéra and Anak itu walaikup gunakan alat untuk mengurangkan perutnya. Karena kalau <laughs> kita ini nado pilol untuk ceram ceta ini ada pilol yang keperluan tu mungkin eritika mar tentang itu. Mereka membeli ini, 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 mereka membeli Miku, we aunty Kirika Mikameta Chippy, Mim Santoshpetar Miriam, Kangarapetkonakarledu, Sami Misotai Napro, Swami me is round to Napru, even the Yems of Mendi. Mir Gini with the Praka Nakaledu. Dini Yavartisaro, Wari me Sesikrim to Nepudu, Miss <laughs> Wajan Low Tun Nepuru, Mik Priga Mutun Nepuru, Ig Din Nantamid Yuchi Chakaledu, Mik Eritika Chetchalo, Eritika Marchalo, Erithika Purchalo, Avaniswame Chesi, Tapak Miki Barthes make Kaboshetu, Yen the Dharmam can take no Inka with the Dharmanga Pranu, in the case of Ramakrishna Paramahamsa.
5: He had to use only one or two persons, Vivekananda and and Ramananda, who were in the form of sannyasis. You don't have to become sannyasis. In this particular task of mine, I am going to use you young people in a large measure as you are, putting you in the right path. Use you as instruments for doing all that is intended to be done and all that is described here on this particular materialized item. And why do you hanker after this thing when the person who has produced this is here and he belongs to you? Why do you want to look at what has been produced? I who have produced this, I belong to you. I will look after you and I will tell you what to do. And slowly, don't be in a haste. What has been described here, what I intend to do in the next 46 years and whom I am going to use and how I am going to use, how you will be put on the right path will all be described by me to you item by item in due course. Don't be in a haste, only remember that you should take the determination and you should appreciate the task which you are called upon to do and you should determine to follow the task and take the right path. This is all that you have to do. The rest will be looked after by me. I belong to you and I am with you. And why do you think of what I have produced? Moreover, in future, you will see me in many different forms which are manifestations of myself.
2: Yeah, Arvind, that indeed was a very beautiful clip. And in fact, you know, it's so perfectly placed in this discussion because what happened on that day when Swami materialized this medallion Mm. was quite close to what we're discussing today. Uh Aha. In fact, you know, that morning, it mm. seems Swami had gone out for a picnic with all the boys. Mm. And uh, Swami was on a hilltop where Swami had, uh, I think, breakfast or something with all the boys. And at the end of that, mm. Swami said, uh, Who is coming for a race? Okay, Who is ready for a running race?
1: A running race? Okay? With Swami?
2: With Swami. Huh. And Swami said, whoever wins, I will give them whatever they want. Wow. Okay, Swami said, I will give whatever they want. Mm. So, immediately all boys geared up. And Swami said, who reaches the bungalow first where Swami was staying the residence so a few boys started oh, Swami running. was going to participate Swami was going to participate in wow. the running race Swami said okay ready steady go and some boys started sprinting and Swami the Mischief Swami that he is what he did he got into the car and started <laughs> okay and so these boys were running towards the bungalow and Swami got into his car and started you know participating in That's the race cheating <laughs> but what beautiful thing Swami did was as these boys were running towards the bungalow Swami took the long route which would take Swami into the town and then back you okay. know uh, towards the so giving giving the boys a chance to
1: win the race you know
2: win the race so by the time Swami's car reached the residence some of these boys had already reached there and they were apparently they would beaten Swami in the race Okay. Mm. so Swami said oh boys so you have won you have won so oh. Swami came there and then Swami said ok I promise to give you whatever you want Swami asked what do you want
1: mm.
2: and I think if you spend few years with Swami, you know what to ask for. Swami, Swami. we want you Swami. <laughs> so, you know, in a, in unison, all those boys said, Swami, we want you and we want only you. He said, okay, you want me? This evening, I will give you me. That is what Swami said.
1: And that was when he materialized and That is this. when
2: Swami had that discourse and Swami materialized his medallion. And Swami revealed this. And that is exactly what Swami is telling towards the end of that clip which we heard. Mm-hmm. Swami is saying that, the Lord who has materialized this, the Lord who holds the future in His hand, You have made him a part of your heart. He belongs to you. He, you, Mm. He belongs to you. What do you need to seek anymore?
1: You know, when you were telling about this race, I know it's almost time for us to conclude, but I was reminded of one small thing, you know, where Bharata, the brother of Lord Rama, you know, as children, they're playing and Bharata goes crying to Mother. And Mother asks, what happened? He says, you know, this is very unfair. We were playing a game and Rama is being unfair. So Mother says, what? And Bharata says, Mother, Rama is a much better player than me, I agree. But, whenever we play, just in order to make me happy, He loses, Mother, and makes me win. This is unfair. This is unfair. And you know, that kind of you know, love, nobility, is something that only the Divine can express. And that is what we saw here also. He sets up a race. He makes you win. He gives you the credit and then rewards you for doing so also. Everything He does and yet, makes it appear as if you have, you know, won it by sheer effort and uh, through your own effort and work. Right. That is Swami's beauty. That is the thing. Like they say, God does everything, but acts as if He does nothing. Man does nothing, but acts as if He does everything. I think, you know, Prem, on this subject, we have got lot more to discuss.
2: And, mean you know, interesting thing is, even as I look back, mm-hmm. I think this whole discussion which you are having today started with the topic of love, which we started on February 14th Uh and I think all the satsangs which you had hence, uh, three satsangs are all actually offshoots of that concept of love and that itself shows us how deep it is, you know, this idea of love and...
1: We can never comprehensively cover it. It's like if somebody asks, can you swim all around the Atlantic Ocean? We just cannot. But you know, one thing we know, wherever we fall into the ocean, it is the Atlantic Ocean. The water is having the same taste, it's the same. So, we just keep swimming as long as we get tired. In the same way, yeah, so in this know, ocean this, of love.
2: right? Exactly. You know, As it is beautifully said, a poet once said that you cannot swim across the whole ocean. But if you become a salt doll and dissolve in the ocean, then you can.
1: You become part of the ocean. You become
2: part of the ocean and there is no question of you not being able to swim across the ocean. I think that is true with Swami's love too. We can never understand it. Hmm. And I think if we dissolve in that love, then we become one with that love and we will know what that love really is. So, dear listeners, I think it's time now to wrap this afternoon satsang. It was indeed a pleasure to have all your company and we thank Swami for giving us this opportunity to sit here and think about Him and we pray that He gives us more such opportunities and till we meet next week,
1: we shall try to uh, discuss and pray and get more incidents and stories and insights on this beautiful topic of seeking Swami vis-a-vis seeking things that Swami is able to give us.
0: Ram, you just heard an episode of our radio series Afternoon Satsang. This is a live discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics and today's episode was first featured as part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live at 12.30pm on February 21st, 2013. You can mail us your comments and feedback to listener at radiosai.org